How's it going, everybody? My name is Josh, and welcome to Coffee in the News, the podcast where we talk about the week's news with a small hint of conservative in it. This week, we talk about a lot of what's going on in Israel, all the way to what's going on with Cuomo, the Cuomo brothers, and also uh, Biden and his health. So I hope you guys stick through it. So I really didn't talk about this last week, but uh, that was because I wasn't prepared. I, I am prepared now, and I and I was looking into it. And um, I think the main question that I think we are all wondering is, okay, how did this? Uh, I believe they're calling it the eleven blood, the eleven day bloody war, something like that. Anyways, how did this war happen in Israel? And so this is according to a website called All Israel. Um, they actually have a little timeline of what's going on. The main thing I really want to point out here is uh, we see that there was an eviction notice, uh, and that happened all the way in February. And uh, this uh, t- this um, eviction notice ended up going into the Jerusalem Supreme Court, or excuse me, the Israeli Supreme Court. And so that was going on until May, until the Supreme Court said, yeah, the this Israeli has the right to do to have these evictions. So, uh, I mean, and I mean, if you think about it too, they weren't paying the rent, and so if you're not paying the rent, then the owner of the house has the right to evict you. And so we see this um, in that case, uh, and yeah, it just it just kind of de-escalated um, into just a whole bunch of fighting and and what's going on and so i think if you take a look at a lot of the media outlets you see that they're trying to paint the idea that it's um israel against palestine and that israel hates palestinians when in reality no israel does not hate palestinians it's just that they broke the law they did not how should i phrase this they were not they didn't pay the rent and they didn't have they weren't able to go over there um so I think that's a little bit more enlightening of how of what happened and how this war kind of started. Um, but yeah, it just takes a lot of digging, and I think it's crazy to see how much digging it ha- it took. Because I mean, you would think that you would find the correct news out there, but in reality, you you have to dig a little bit deeper than than you would think just to find it. So we see that Lebanon has been launching drones towards Israel. This is according to the Jerusalem Post. Here's the quote. The IDF shot down a drone that was approaching the Israeli-Jordanian border on Tuesday, traveling towards the Emek, I'm going to get this wrong, Hamayaniat Regional Council in northern Israel, a military official said. IDF units collected the fragments of the destroyed aircraft for further examination. It was not clear who was operating the drone from where it took off, and whether it was armed with explosives. So we constantly see that Israel is under attack. And so with that being said, of course, Israel needs to defend itself, right? Joe Biden himself said Israel has a right to defend itself. And so with that being said, you know, I mean, too, if you think about it, a lot of Israel's enemies surround the country. Uh, you've got Syria. It's it's crazy. It's it's just completely surrounds the country, and so Israel does have the right to defend itself, and that's why they need the state of the art equipment so that they can defend itself from the enemies that uh, surround them on all, all borders. 
uh, another thing that happened this week is that Biden was calling Israel to uh, de-escalate uh, what's going on right now. Uh, this is according to Stars and Stripes. Gaza City, Gaza Strip. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu vowed Wednesday to press ahead with a fierce military offense offensive in the Gaza Strip, pushing back against calls from the United States to wind down the operations that had left hundreds dead. Uh, Netanyahu's tough comments marked the first public rift between the two closest allies since the fighting began last week and could compli uh, complicate international efforts to reach a ceasefire. His pushbacks also plunges the pair into a difficult early test of the U.S.-Israel relationship. Israel continued to pound Hamas targets in Gaza with airstrikes, while Palestinian militants bombarded Israel with rocket fire throughout the day. And another sign of potential escalation, uh, militants in Lebanon fired a rocket barrage into northern Israel after a visit to military headquarters. Netanyahu, Netanyahu said he ap appreciated the support of the American president, but he said Israel would push ahead and return common security to Israeli citizens. So it's really interesting because, I mean, we saw that Biden said, yes, Israel does have the right to protect itself. And now we're seeing that Israel's, uh, uh, Biden's like now saying, no, you need to de-escalate it. You need to de-escalate de it. And I think that's something that's really interesting to to take a look at because now it seems like someone is talking to Biden into Biden's ear and telling Biden, no, this is what you need to say, and Biden is saying that. And so I think I think most of us can agree that that is what ha is happening, and the large majority of this is the quote unquote the squad, right? We talked about the squad in their posts last week and how it's very anti-Semitic on there, and recently. Biden was in Michigan. He talked to Ilhan Omar, and he talked to a few other people too um, from the squad. And so I definitely think that that's kind of what helped uh, Biden with this uh, statement to de-escalate uh, uh, the bombing. And it's really interesting to see. And he's just flip-flopping, flip-flopping, and flip-flopping. And so I wouldn't see, be surprised to see Biden do the same thing. I wouldn't be see, surprised to see Biden say, oh yeah, the president of Russia is a killer. And then the next week be like, oh yeah, but he's a good guy. So I wouldn't be surprised if we continuously see this. And on top of Capitol Hill, we see that Sanders tried to is creating a bill to block funding in Israel. And so um, we're seeing this continuously happen. We, we're continuously seeing a lot of politicians who, instead of being on Israel's side, is actually taking Hamas's side. And so I think that's something that's really interesting to take a look at. Uh, this is according to the Washington Post. Uh, here's the quote. Senator Bernie Sanders introduced a resolution on Thursday disapproving of the U.S. sale of $735 million in precision-guided weapons to Israel, according to a draft obtained by the Washington Post. The resolution aims to halt the planned sale to Israel by Biden administration of JDAMs, or Joint Direct Attack Munitions, and smaller diameter bombs at the worst hostilities in years continue between Israel and Hamas. The resolution needs only a simple majority to pass the Senate, but if it were to be vetoed by President Biden, it would need a two-thirds majority in both chambers to take effect. So I... Again, Biden's kind of flip-flopping, and so right now I think that Biden is on Israel's side. He himself said, yeah, Israel does have the right to protect itself, 
but um, they should de-escalate it. And so um, I think Biden's on Israel's side for sure. So I would assume he's going to veto this this bill. And so now we're going to take a look at both chambers, right? It has to pass in the House and then the Senate. Uh, both pre- the both uh, chambers are pretty evenly matched, right? Only the House, the, the Senate is 50-50. And the reason why the Democrats have the lead is because of the vice president or the president of the Senate. And the reason why the Congress is in the lead, they're only in the lead by, by I believe it's like two. It's, it's very, very slim. And so with that being said, I don't think we're going to see this bill pass. I think the odds of some Democrats who are siding with Israel is also pretty big as well. And so I think they're going to side on the Republican side and say, yeah, I think we need to fund him. I'm against, uh, I'm against Bernie Sanders' uh, bill. So that's one thing that I think, uh, I don't know if it's going to continue to happen, um, you know, because of what's going on in Israel right now. I don't know if that's something that's going to happen. We're going to have to take a look at it for sure. Because of what's going on in Israel, we're actually taking a look at some anti-Semitic attacks in the United States. Um, This is according to Fox News. From New York and California to Illinois and Utah, the recent conflict between Israel and Gaza has generated a disturbing backlash against American Jews, who have found themselves the target of death threats, hate speech, and violent physical attacks. Stop telling me this is about Israel and Gaza, said a New Yorker who was confronted by a pro-Palestinian mob on his way to the uh, synagogue this week. My people are being targeted across the United States in broad daylight. This is textbook anti-Semitism, and we will continue to live in danger until the public starts to recognize it for what it is. His remarks were a common refrain rippling across U.S. Jewish communities in recent days. And then uh, that same uh, article had a look at the recent incidents throughout the country. But we're seeing that it's going on throughout the, uh, the United States, from New York, California, Illinois, Utah, and so on. And so... It's it's really crazy to see that, you know, um, that we are seeing not only politicians, uh, but we're also seeing some people, some American people siding with Hamas instead of Israel. Um, and so that's something that we kind of need to take a look at, too. I think the thing is also is when I was taking a look at the footage, and I recommend you guys take a look at the footage, it's really, it's kind of heartbreaking and interesting to take a look at. When you take a look at the footage, the first thing that it kind of reminded me of were those riots that was going on um, for George Floyd, you know, the BLM protests and, and those riots. And and that was the first thing that popped in my head. So it only takes a small army and then eventually it just keeps on getting bigger and bigger and then it just wrecks itself. And so I think this is, um, yeah, something that's, oh gosh, Ugh. It's, it's crazy to see how it went from Israel all the way to the United States um, just by a snap of a finger. That's something crazy for sure. So uh, the big thing that happened this week was a ceasefire was signed. on this was, The ceasefire was signed on the 20th of May. I think that was something that was really cool. I remember driving to work and then listening to the news and all of a sudden I heard, oh yeah, there's a ceasefire. I'm like, praise the Lord. Um, this is according to Associated Press. Israel and Hamas agreed uh, to a ceasefire Thursday, halting a brushing, uh, a bruising 11-day war that caused widespread destruction in the Gaza Strip, brought life in much to, of Israel to a standstill, and left more than 200 people dead. At 2 a.m. local time, 
Just as the ceasefire took effect, life returned to the streets of Gaza. People went out of their homes, some shouting Allahu Akbar or whistling from balconies. Many fired in the air, um, celebrating the truce. Like the three previous wars between the bitter enemies, the latest uh, round of fighting ended inconclusively. Israel claimed to inflict heavy damage on Hamas, but once again was unable to halt the Islamic militant group's nonstop rocket barrages. Almost immediately, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu faced angry accusations from his hard-line right-wing base that he stopped the operation too soon. Hamas, the Islamic militant group sworn to Israel's destruction, also claimed victory, but it now faces the daunting challenges of rebuilding it uh, in a territory already suffering from poverty, widespread unemployment, and raging coronavirus outbreak. Oh my goodness. So, of course, we're going to see both parties claim victory. Um, I think that's something that's really interesting is, you know, you take a look at a story and there's a whole bunch of views are completely different, right? There's a reason why you take a look at um, the Gospels, you know, because each view is completely different. And so I think that's the same with this is, you know, you take a look at Hamas's side at Hamas's side and you're going to say, oh yeah, Hamas won. And then you take a look at Israel's side and you're like, oh yeah, Israel won. So I think it's a tie. Do I think anybody won? I don't know. Both parties, yeah, I don't know. I think Israel won in, in protecting its people and I think Hamas won by uh, sh spreading their voice saying, hey, we're not giving up, you know. And so I think that's one thing that's interesting to take a look at. Uh, look at. Another thing, too, is uh, Palestine working on their poverty. The thing is, Israel was so gracious um, when they became a country, and they gave Palestine a nice chunk of land right next to the ocean. I mean, if Palestine was really... <laughs> If they had their focus on their people, I think, yeah, it would have been gorgeous, and I don't think you would have seen people in poverty. But because their focus was on destroying Israel, we see that it it's crazy, and, and there's a lot of poverty uh, going on in that country. And so, um, yeah, uh, with the Hamas thing... It's still a terrorist organization. I, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if we, uh, if they break the ceasefire and we see another war. I wouldn't be surprised of that at all. And I think that Israel did just fine. Um, they were protecting their people. Um, so we'll definitely have to take a look at that. I think. I don't know. You know, nobody knows when something's going to strike again, but. I wouldn't be surprised if it happens again this year where we see Hamas just restarting their their, their uh, airstrikes. Okay, so we're done with Israel news. We're completely done with that. I got, got done with that. Now we're putting our feet onto something else. Uh, we see that a Space Force lieutenant was fired. Uh, this is according to Fox News. Republican lawmakers blasted President Biden online after the military removed a Space Force commanding officer for speaking out against critical race theory and Marxism in the military. Several prominent GOP lawmakers threw their support between, uh, behind Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer, the Space Force commanding officer who was relieved of duty Friday for decrying Marxist ideologies and critical race theory which he said are gaining influence in the military on a recent podcast. Uh, so 
we're seeing a lot of senators and congressmen back um, this colonel up. I think one big one was from uh, Representative Dan Crenshaw, a, rep- a Republican of Texas, uh, who was a former Navy SEAL. He said, the military needs to prepare service members for combat and told social media users to not let the story, quote unquote, slip away. We need to be preparing our warriors to fight and win battles, not how to be SJWs, Crenshaw wrote. Far-left critical race theory is taught while speaking out against Marxism is punished. Share this, he added. Don't let this story slip away. So this is ridiculous. See, critical race theory is, is straight out a scam, right? History seems to repeat itself, and that is what we are constantly seeing. We're seeing that critical race theory is just a way on, on trying to desegregate yet again the, as, you know, the United States. Ben Shapiro even talked about this in his book, uh, Three Ways to Destroy America. It's a good read, by the way. I haven't finished it yet. I take forever reading books. Uh, I don't know why. I just take forever reading books, but... It's a good read, and I recommend you guys take a look at it because as you're reading it, you kind of scratch your head and you're like, wow, we're getting really, really close to what Ben Shapiro's saying would destroy America. So, uh, sorry, I just, yeah. Um, why do our branches need to learn critical race theory and Marxism? They don't. They do not. They need to be prepared, right? So, the army needs to be prepared and to fight our country. The question is, you know, is the same with the schools, right? Why is our schools learning critical race theories? They shouldn't. They don't need to. They need to learn uh, the basic science, technology, engineering, art, math. They need to learn this so that they can be better prepared when they graduate. So let's stop teaching critical uh, these theories as facts, right? You take a look, and we're seeing that people are teaching critical race theory as a fact. I think another good example is evolution, too. Evolution started as a theory. It still is a theory, right? And now they're teaching it as if it's a fact, as they're teaching it that it's a fact that we came from apes instead of a creator. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. So we need to stop teaching theories as facts and teach facts as facts. That's what we need to do. And, and I think, too, this is something that's really interesting as well, is the Democrats are trying to be a voice for the African community when the African communities, uh, African-American communities say, we already have a voice, we don't want your voice. And yet the Democrats are still like, no, 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 you need our voice. What you meant to say was this. And the Democrats just ignore the voice of the African-American community and they try and put their own voice with it and and I think we constantly see that um, throughout the day uh, throughout the week and and so on so Governor Andrew Cuomo's memoir is still planning to come out this is according to Fox News New York Governor Andrew Cuomo angrily rejected a reporter's question Thursday about whether his five billion dollar book deal which he arranged as COVID-19 rage raged through the city last year was offensive to families who lost loved ones during the pandemic, calling the inquiry stupid. Cuomo has been under fire for months as he attempts to navigate the tumultuous uh, scandal-plagued waters of his administration as more pile up against him, such as his infinite multi-million dollar book deal and multiple sexual harassment allegations. A reporter posed a question regarding the book deal to the governor who is expected to make over $5 million from his memoir. 
during a Thursday press conference in Buffalo, asking Cuomo to respond to critics who have said the Democrats' governor is making money of off of a dead New Yorkers. So he's still under investigation um, for his sexual allegations and finally for the nursing homes. And instead of being quiet, he's still coming up there talking about his book. I think if you talk a lot, uh, if you talk to a lot of New Yorkers, if you talk to a lot of people who kind of live up there, and ask them, okay, how well did your governor do with COVID nineteen? I think I think a lot of New Yorkers would say, oh yeah, Andrew Cuomo sucks. He's a terrible governor, and he needs to be recalled. Quite frankly, I don't know why he hasn't been recalled. He's just he's a really really bad governor. Even though he says, oh yeah, I'm doing good, and I'm gonna write a book about it. Like, no, come on, you know. Let's take a look at this and see. Let's take a look at the stats. Even though you think you might be doing good, if you take a look at the facts, you're doing wrong, right? It's like a kid who said, oh, yep, I cleaned my room. And then you walk into the room and you take a look at under the bed and it's still a mess because the kid shoved everything under there. Even though he looks like he did everything right, in reality, he did it. And that book is not going to show everything that he did wrong. That book is going to show what he thought he did right. Um, and so that's something that, ugh, I don't know what's going to happen. I think I think that book is going to kind of be a big flop. Another thing, too, is his brother is under fire as well. This is according to Washington Post. CNN anchor Chris Cuomo advised his brother, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, and senior members of the governor's staff on how to respond to sexual sexual harassment allegations made earlier this year by women who had worked with the governor, according to four people familiar with the discussions. Cuomo, one of the network's top stars, joined a series of conference calls that included the Democratic governor, his top aide, his communications team, lawyers, and a number of outside advisors, according to the people uh, familiar with the conversations, who spoke on the condition to anonymity to describe the private sessions. The calls occurred earlier the year when a growing number of claims that Andrew Cuomo made inappropriate comments or touched women without their permission had escalated into a political crisis for the three-term governor. So we see that Chris uh, Cuomo apologized, saying it would never happen again. And that's a reason why we do not have relatives, um, interview relatives on the news. His goal was to help his brother and to try and hide what's happening, right? His goal was to try and deceive his uh, viewers uh, to deceive him and see that Andrew Cuomo is the innocent person here and that these women are not, and they're just, they're not innocent at all. And, and they're just lying so they can get Andrew Cuomo in trouble. You know, and the thing is too, people are going to forget this. People are going to forget this story, right? We see that when Republicans make a mistake, they get canceled. It's like the Democrats. It's like people are constantly taking a look at the conservatives. And once they make one bad move, canceled, right? And why is that not the same with the Dems, with the Democrats? We don't see that one bit. When the Democrats make a mistake, they just ignore it instead of cancel culture, you know, canceling it. It's it's something that's interesting to see. And I think it's favoritism. I think it kind of shows a true a, a side um, I think you take a look at a lot of the news outlets and you see that they are really far left, CNN, NBC News, and so on. And so when one Democrat says something stupid and, and wrong, those far left news outlets aren't going to report on that. 
Much rather, they're going to report on a Republican who did something wrong, right? Ted Cruz, for example, when he flew, I don't even know where he flew. Anyway, he was flying when this whole Texas ice um, ice storm happened, and everybody was giving getting back. He was throwing backlash on Ted Cruz when <laughs> that shouldn't have happened one bit. So we see that the mask mandate has been erased for those who have been vaccinated, right? We, we talked about this last week. And so this has kind of been a week where people don't have to wear masks if you've been fully vaccinated, quote unquote. Uh, I want to say here, when you take a look at what happened of not what's happened, but what's going on with Biden, with President Biden, is you notice that he still is wearing his mask. And so I think that has to that comes with a, a few questions, right? The CDC recommends that you should still wear your mask if you're immune compromised. And so I think we're all kind of questioning, oh my goodness, is Biden kind of immune compromised? We know he's not mentally fit and and um, he's the oldest president in the United States. So with that being said, is he fit for this job? And so with that being said, this is according to the Washington Post. They posted this on the 11th of May. Uh, the nation's oldest president in history, has yet to get a checkup or release an update to the three-page medical summary that was last provided to the public some 17 months ago. The White House has uh, said more up-to-date information will be released soon, and when pressed, said he would do so by the end of the year. The president is planning to have a checkup later this year, and the result will be released to the public, White House spokesman Andrew Bates said. So the main question here is, is Biden healthy? And we haven't seen Biden's health assessment yet. They said that it would be here later on by the quote-unquote year. I wouldn't be surprised if we see it next year, honestly. I don't know. We elected this president, um, and with that being said, I think we deserve the right to see. I shouldn't say we. I should say the American people elected this president. Uh, and with that being said, the American people have the right to see how he- healthy this president is. And we just haven't seen that yet. And so I think there's one of two things. Either either Biden is not uh, healthy and this checkup is going to show that. Or two, Biden's just a busy man and he doesn't have time for this. Which in reality, no, he's not a busy man. He has an early bedtime. He himself said it. So um, there's that. Along with the uh, no masks, uh, Pelosi is not lifting the mask mandate in the chambers. And so with that being said, we see that people are getting fined. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene was recently fined $500. And I believe another politician was fined uh, $500. That's the first uh, attempt. I, that word just slipped out of my head. Oh gosh, it'll come to me. But anyways, that's the first um, ticket, I guess you can say. And then if they do it again, it, it raises to, I believe it's like $1,500. And so they're making bank out of this. Anyways, so we see that Pelosi has not been uh, lifting the mask mandate in the chambers. And so this is this is stupid. We constantly see that Pelosi claims to follow the science, right? She claims to follow the science, but at the end, she doesn't even put the science and what the science has claimed into practice. Just recently, 
we saw her with no mask at the White House in these big groups, right? She did, you know, so she's following the signs there, but not when it's at uh, Capitol Hill. I mean, remember, too, when California was completely shut down, nobody could go to work, no saloons, no nothing. She somehow got her hair done at a saloon, at a salon, you know, and so she follows the, the, the science or she doesn't follow the science. It's just political theater. Um, and so that's something that we're going to continuously see. I'm going to say, too, maybe she's trying to make bank, right? I said she's making bank. Maybe they're trying to figure out, okay, how are, are we going to pay Biden's massive infrastructure plan? How are we going to pay this huge plan over here? How are we going to do that? Oh, I have an idea. We are going to um, put these terrorists, or not terrorists, but these laws, these random laws. So if if they're not wearing their mask, 500 bucks. After that, they're going to get another bigger ticket, you know? So that's how they're going to make a bunch of money. That's I think that's another idea uh, to kind of think about. A fourth grader fought against masking to the Board of Teachers, and a mother uh, fought against critical race theory also to a Board of Teachers. This is according to the Epic Times. A 10-year-old boy from Florida has gone viral online after telling his local school board, basically to suck, no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> telling his local school board that the school district's prolonged mask requirements doesn't seem fair to make sense to him. John Provenzano, Provenzano a fourth grade student at Felix A. Williams Elementary School in Martin County recently gained popularity on social media because of a video in which he urged the school board to stop requiring masks to wear, uh, requiring students to wear masks. This is the same article as well. He moved on to question the practice of teachers forcing kids to mask up all times, saying there was one teacher who, quote, walks around with a clipboard full of referrals for any student whose mask isn't on properly, end quote. It makes me feel scared, the boy said, adding that this teacher would pull her mask down to yell at students for not masking up, which makes him and his friends very mad. This happens a lot, Provenzano said. And it seems unfair that teachers take their masks off while they yell at us kids and that we need to pull ours up. I asked my mom if there was a word for this, and she said there is hypocrisy. Right when the kid said hypocrisy, that's the best part of the entire of the, his entire speech. It's just, oh my goodness. I If I were there, I would have been standing up and clapped and, and been clapping for him and applauding him. Um, that's, I just, I still can't get over, and there's a word for this. It's hypocrisy. I totally agree with him. Uh, with the mother on, on uh, critical race theory, this is according to Faith Wire, a mother from Northern Virginia unloaded on her county school board this week, rebuking members for embracing racist and abusive critical race theory. The unnamed mother delivered a brief address Tuesday at a Loudoun County School Board meeting where she urged members to implement love, not hate, and to communicate without deceiving people. The same article here. The mother who is... Again, I don't know why you need to sh put color in this. The mother argued critical race theory was a tactic used by Hitler and the Ku Klux Klan on slavery very many years ago to dumb, to dumb down my ancestors so we could not think for ourselves. You cannot tell me uh, what is not 
what is or is not racist, she added, demanding the school board members ban critical race theory from district schools. So this is great. We're seeing mothers and we're seeing kids with common sense fighting against what the Dems want, right? We see that they are fighting to to regain control on what they want their kids and fellow students uh, to have control. So they're trying to fight. I'm sorry. I'm it's late at night for me, and and they are fighting to regain control um, from the Democrats. That's 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 what they're doing, and um, with the kid, great job for the kid. I for it's crazy to see that we have young kids at that age who fully understand it, you know. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see him run uh, for senator or for congressman or even run for president. I wouldn't be surprised to see that. And and when I see that, it brings me great hope knowing that our future, we, we still have a bright uh, future. And it's the same with the mother. And I totally agree with her too. You know, is, you know, when she was talking about Hitler and the, and the KKK, to try and dumb down her ancestors so they could, that they, she could not, they could not think for themselves. I totally agree with that. And that's what we're constantly seeing. And, it's, it's sad to see, but it's also great to see two people stand up for not only themselves, but for their fellow Americans. We haven't been talking about the border a lot. Here is, we're camping on it now. I'm sorry, guys. You, you would think that we're done talking about the border, but we're not. We see that 61,000 migrants across the border, and some are going to Tennessee and Red States. This is according to Newsmax. More than 61,000 immigrants who illegally entered the United States through the southern border have been released into the country since President Joe Biden took office, according to government data. According to our Border Patrol data, 61,312 illegal immigrants were allowed to walk out of the Department of Homeland Security's stations in the months of February, March, and April, uh, reports the Washington Examiner. So this is getting crazier and crazier by the minute. We're seeing that these Im- it's it's a huge huge amount of immigrants. Uh, Fox News said here, uh, lawmakers from Tennessee are sounding the alarm after reports that the Biden administration has been flying unaccompanied minors into the state in the middle of the night without their knowledge. The White House is transporting migrants into an airport in Chattanooga from where they are bused to cities within the southeast. As first reported by local news outlets, uh, WRCB uh, TV Channel 3, uh, shout out to them. Senator Marsha Blackburn, a Republican in Tennessee, said in a statement to Fox News that the transportation of migrants is taking place in, quote, the dead of night without the knowledge or permission of the communities involved. So it's sketchy. It, it's very sketchy, right? She said in the dead of the night. It's like they're trying to hide the fact that they're bringing immigrants deeper into the United States. Um, it's yeah, we're seeing that Biden too. I think this is something that's really interesting to note. Biden is running out of space at the border and is now flying them to other states, uh, trying to get rid of them. Uh, there's even reports saying that some of these migrants uh, don't even have court dates. There's such there they have so many migrants just coming into the United States. Even though Biden said, "Don't come in, we're closed." We have so many people coming in, and and a border patrol is just overstaffed or not overstaffed, understaffed right now. I wonder why they're overstaffed. Also, because 
Biden is still implement. I shouldn't say Biden. I should say because people are on their lazy rears and are getting paid to do that because of what's going on with um, Biden. There you go. That's when I should say Biden. And so it's it's just crazy. And Border Patrol is just so understaffed right now. They're just they're just throwing them out. Just saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll call you for your court date. And uh, it's it's such it's such a big mess. And the sad thing is, we're going to continuously see this mess and and fix this mess as we grow up. And I think our kids are going to have to fix this as well. Here is our final topic. We see that one point nine billion dollars has been passed to upgrade on the capital security. Uh, this is the Washington Post. By the thinnest of margins, a divided house voted on Thursday to approve $1.9 billion in emergency spending to cover costs related to the January 6th attack on the Capitol and increase security to prevent a repeat. With progressive Democrats joining Republicans in opposition, the bill passed a Democratic-controlled House vote by a vote of 213 to 212, leaving its future uncertain in the evenly split Senate, where most legislation needs 60 votes to overcome a, filibus- a filibuster and advance to a vote. Every Republican voted against the security spending bill, a move that top Democrats cited as further evidence that the party is trying to rewrite the history of the mob violence that unfolded on January 6th by downplaying or outright denying crucial facts and opposing efforts to investigate it. So I've been at Capitol Hill before. Um, I was there with 4-H. It was a blessing. I've met my congress, uh, congressman, my representative, my senator. It, it was a great experience. And quite frankly, that experience is, is the Citizenship Washington focus. That is what helped me, you know, with my love of politics and and that's something that inspired me to do helped inspire me to do a podcast about it and um with that being said i had to we had we went through like three metal uh uh, three x-ray machine you know three metal detectors and and we've gone through a whole bunch of stuff and i think it's very safe it's very secure i think the thing is this is something that happened once um and I don't know if I don't believe it will happen again. Um, I will say that it it was just craziness. And I think you take a look at the history uh, at what was going around at that time, and you see that there was some um, uh, terror organizations. I mean, the United States deemed them as terror organizations, and I think you can take a look at them. and And there are some videos out there of these uh, people who are members of these terrorist organizations put on MAGA gear and, and make it look like they're Trump supporters. And then they come to the United States, to the Capitol Hill, to the people's house. And, and then they just stormed it, um, trying to make it Trump look bad. And I think it was hectic. Yeah. But with that being said, I just, I don't think you need to put a a $1.9 billion into this. I think that's hectic, and I think that's crazy. Um, I think that money could go elsewhere. I think that money could go to police officers who don't have the money, whose whose department does not have the money for body cams, right? We just talked about a police officer in California who did not have, uh, whose department did not have enough funding 
to put to have these body cams and yet he purchased his own i i mean come on let's think about this i don't think you need 1.9 billion dollars to to fund this i think that money should go elsewhere i think that money should go to other police officers and departments uh police departments who need that funding instead of just going right uh to uh, your backyard um i've said this before too is if it doesn't happen in their backyard, they don't care about it. But once it happens in their backyard, they start freaking out, right? There's a reason why this whole insurrection thing, this whole a January 6th attack, mob attack, whatever you want to call it, there's a reason why this whole thing is still going on in the news right now, right? Because these politicians are still freaking – I shouldn't say still freaking out about it. They just want to bring it up, bring it back up. And so everybody can remember, oh, this is what happened because of your president. It's it's hectic. It's hectic. That is it, guys. And that is all the news I could gather from the 17th of May to the 22nd of May. Um, we talked about a lot of topics, a lot of Israel. And, and I think that's something that we do kind of have to take a look at. Um, I, you know, I talked about this last week, too. And I'll say it again today is... Each day is, is history, but this history leads to one greater history, and that is the coming back of Jesus Christ. And so, with that being said, um, we need to continue the work of being fishers of men and plant that seed into people's hearts. Um, and uh, I think that's a way of doing that is just showing um, whoever we see our, our love for Christ and have Christ illuminate on us, right? Um, I think that's something that we always need to uh, constantly remember uh yeah remember so thank you guys so much for listening uh make sure you guys like subscribe follow and share um and remember that god's in control and i will talk to you all next week